know it's Kim. Kim Ellis, I saw him the other day in Carolyn. He's still having difficulties and problems to so keep them in your place. Let's go to the Lord's Prayer before we pray. Father God, as we come to you this morning, we, we first of all praise your name. Father, we thank you for being the God that saved us. Lord, that, that each and every one of us have gone through difficulties and problems. And, prayers of the, the brothers and sisters in Christ is a wonderful thing. We know, Lord, that you intervene. We know, Lord, that you heal, that you strengthen us, that you use the difficulties and problems to, to redirect our lives towards you. Father, we pray that, that this morning as we, we begin to study your word, that, you, that you'll open our mind, that, that we might understand better the, the message that you have today. We lift up our pastor today as we bring the message in each and every one of the Sunday school teachers this morning will, will be guided by the Holy Spirit and the love that you have. Again, we thank you so much, Lord. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, continuing in, uh, in that study on the statement about Count Mount Hill. And when we look at that, if you, if you go through the various translations of the Bible, uh, you know, in the English language, there's over a hundred translations uh, of the various uh, New Old and New Testaments. When you look at, at the, t the translations, you'll find about 60% of the translations for this commandment uh, translated is, Thou shalt not murder. Uh, about 30% of them translated is, Thou shalt not kill. What's the difference between killing and murder? One's premeditated. When we look at the word kill, kill, of course, is the taking of any life for any purpose. And it can be, of course, it could be uh, taking of a life for somebody that is, could have killed somebody else. So killing in that case, uh, capital punishment, killing, is taking a life. Now, when we go back in and we begin to look at the Bible, and we go back and we look at the Jewish, the original Hebrew words, we find that, that, that there's more than one word that is identified by this particular phrase. Now, if you, you go back and you look at the word, you might remember that when, when Moses... Um, ask God for his name. God gave him the name Yahweh. Now, anybody remember how that was written in Hebrew? By four letters. The Hebrew, early Hebrew language had no, had no vowels in it. It had only consonants. So the, the Hebrew name that God gave was Yahweh, and the, the identifier on it was Y-H-W-H. So those four letters get that word. Now there are other other uh, words that could be identified by that, but that was the name of God, and that became an absolutely perfected thing in terms of what the early Jews believed. Now when we look at the word that's used for killing or murder, uh, first of all we look at the, the word as it was used in the original Hebrew text, 
that th was a three-letter word, and it was the, the letter was RSH was the identifier for it. And RSH was an identifier which meant the taking of an innocent life. And it was the taking of the life by force. Um, let me read you a, a, a text here, and it comes from the book of Numbers, the Old Testament book of Numbers. And it, uh, it defines or it identifies what murder is. So Numbers uh, 35, verses uh, 16 through 21. So, but if he struck him down with an iron object so that he died, he was a murderer. And then it continues to say, and the murderer shall be put to death. Uh, the next one states, says, if he struck him down with a stone in his hand, and he should die, and, uh, then he is a murderer, and the murderer shall be put to death. Continues says, or if he struck him down with a wooden object within his hand, by which he might die, and as a result he did die, he is a murderer, and the murderer shall be put to death. So it gives us three specific instances there of murder, and in each case, it's using an object. But it continues, it says, uh, if he pushed him with hatred, threw something at him, laid in wait and struck him, or if he struck him down with the hand of enmity, and as a result of he died, the one he struck him down shall be put to death. Now, and he goes on again and says, he is a murderer, and the blood avenger uh, shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. So we see some interesting parallels there in phrases. Now, in those cases, each and every one of those identifies an event where some uh, premeditated act occurred. So murder was, was, is different and was different from killing. Now, uh, we, a couple of other things there. We look at the book of uh, Genesis. This image, or, or RSH uh, can be translated into the Jewish later later Jewish language. He's either Ratzak, Ratzak, Ratshuk, or, or other words. But in each case, it's a verb that describes the killing of an individual, and it uh, often means to break, to tear to pieces, to uh, to slay, to kill, and to murder. Um, there's another reference that talks about NHK. And NHK is, of course, different from RSH. And that's a, uh, if within the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy. And anytime we find that, we find that used like uh, what we, we read earlier, where somebody's killed and they're going to be put to death for it. If we look at the killing of Cain, uh, uh, towards Abel, we find a different word. That word is HRG. And it's different in the sense that it can mean more than just killing. Because it's used for Cain and Abel. You remember, of course, obviously Cain killed Abel and his blood flowed out on the ground. Okay, now, what was the judgment of, of God towards Cain? Did he have him executed? No. What did he do? 
he banned him. He and he exiled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this particular word, this HRG Hebrew word, uh, can include things like being driven away from the community. So exiled away from the country, community can be used for that word, but that word also is translated in English as kill or murder. We find this term blood avenger. We, we find that continuously throughout the books of, uh, of Exodus, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Numbers. This blood avenger, uh, that was the, the individual that was the closest male uh, adult uh, kin. So it could be a brother, it could be a father, it could be uh, some, some other individual like that. But that individual had a responsibility for taking the life of the murderer. And when we, we read on that, we, we find quite often where uh, even in today's uh, cultures, uh, for instance, we know, we look at the mafia, we look at the Sicilians, and there is in that clan or in that group a blood avenger who is responsible for taking the life of a murderer of uh, a family member. Uh, we see that also in a lot of primitive societies. So in a lot of cases, uh, when we see murder, murder was always to be avenged by initially a family member. And then what happened later on? How, did that, how was it translated into later societies, more advanced cultures? In those cases, the government became responsible for that, that taking of the life. So the, the, it was still a what we call a capital punishment. It was still a, an instance where murder resulted in the death of the man that committed the murder, or man or woman. Now, it's kind of interesting when, when we read the word blood guilt, um, and we speak about the blood. Now, you remember when Cain killed Abel, what did God say about Abel's blood? The blood cried up to him from the ground. <coughs> Let me read you one here that uh, I thought was kind of interesting on that. Whenever we, we look at that, it says, So you shall not pollute the land in which you are. For blood pollutes the land, and there is no expiation that can be made for the land from the blood that is shed, except the blood of the man who is shedding. And that comes from Numbers 35-33. Now, what we see in all of these instances that we've talked about up until this point is the man who has killed, been killed has no guilt or no responsibility for their own actions. In each case, the individual that did the killing uh, made a judgment <clears throat> and they killed the individual uh, for uh, un, really unjustified uh, means. Are there other things that can have a justified being in the sense of 
we know that somebody kills your brother or your father, then as next in line, you're responsible if an adult male partake killing that person. Now, you might remember that there was also a circumstance and conditions where killings occurred that were not murder. Uh, as an example, an axe head flies off and strikes and kills a man. Okay, now, the death is not murder in the sense that the individual had no intent to commit murder. Now, as a result of that, though, an individual, let's say the child of the person that was killed, says, my father was killed and I'm going to take action against him. Now, there was a, under Jewish law, there was a process where this man had killed somebody. He had shed blood. And the shedding of the blood, what's the only way to, to purify the land from the shedding of blood? To kill the one that shed the blood. So we see a strange thing here that this man or this child of the man that was killed will go after and attempt to kill the man who had killed his father. <clears throat> Under Jewish law, there was what were called sanctuary cities. And what was a sanctuary city? Somebody who was innocent but had committed uh, an act that resulted in the death of another could go to a sanctuary city and the sanctuary city would protect him from the individual who was sworn to uh, take his blood back in return. But we see some interesting things there. Now, can you think of other crimes in the Bible that resulted in a death penalty? Adultery. Adultery, yeah. That was one of them. Incest was another um, Stealing. Kidnapping. I'm sorry? Stealing. Killing. Kidnapping. Uh, idolatry, yeah. Uh, there were a lot of things that were uh, resulted, that could result. Now, interestingly enough, if you had a, an animal that was known to be a dangerous animal, and you didn't pin it properly, and that, say it was a bull, got out and it gored and killed somebody, you were under a death sentence. Again. So there were a lot of things that would result in death sentences under the laws of Israel. We also, in today's society, we have a lot of penalties for crimes that will result in death penalties. Now, when we Again, we look to the, uh, the specific wording. Somebody read uh, Exodus 20, 13. What are the words of this commandment? You shall not murder. Pretty straightforward, pretty direct. Doesn't leave a whole lot of room for question, does it? And yet, how in the world do we have all of these differences in today? <laughs> Where in our societies we see a lot of, of differences in what the meaning of this law is supposed to mean. Now, when we think back to, to last week, we talked about uh, honoring 
the mother and the father by the child. And the result of, of this honoring was to be rewarded. What, what was the reward that the child received from for honoring his mother and his father? It was the life within the promised land. And you might remember that Christ used this commandment as a judge against the nation of Israel just 35 years or 40 years before uh, AD 70 when the temple was destroyed and the nation of Israel was destroyed. The people were dispersed across the Roman Empire as slaves or else they, they escaped from the, the judgment of Rome. So we see that thou shalt not murder uh, was quoted by Christ against the Pharisees and the, uh, the authorities of the Jewish temple just prior to the destruction by the Romans. Now, when we think as Christians, uh, it's kind of strange, whenever I started looked to study this week, uh, one of the first things that I ran into was a statement on a website that says all of you Christians who agree with capital punishment, I have a question for you. What would Jesus do? Did Jesus disagree with capital punishment? I want you to think for just a second, what was the method that God chose to take the life of his son? capital punishment. When Christ stood before Pilate and Pilate was asking, do you hear what all these things people are saying against you? And Christ wasn't answering him. Pilate says, you've got to say something. And, and what did Christ say? He came back and said, the sins of those are greater than your sin in making the judgment. Pilate knew that he was sentencing an innocent man to death for a capital crime of the Jewish nation, blasphemy, and he had no idea what the crime was. Under Roman law, there was no reason to sentence Christ to death. Why did he do it? To prevent a mob mob violence, to keep a, a, an insurrection from occurring, to keep the peace is the reason he did. Now I'd also point out that when Christ was crucified, was he crucified by himself? No. Who was with him? The two thieves. Two, and thieves. two other men. Yeah. And the other men they were identified as thieves, but in reality they were thieves who had committed murder. Now, so under Roman law, their sentences were justified. Did Christ have any problem with these two men dying for their, the actions that they did? Would Christ have stood there and justified an action that was against God's law? No. So it's kind of interesting. I think Christ was in favor of capital punishment. 
I think I can make a pretty good case for it. So whenever we, we look at that, we, I really question somebody who says that Jesus was against capital punishment. Capital punishment. Because God used it in the punishment for his son. People were being crucified continuously during Christ's life. And Christ never spoke out against it. He never made a judgment against it. But he also said he didn't come to judge the world. That he came to justify. That he came to, in order to save the world. <clears throat> so, as we look at some of that, we see some interesting things. <clears throat> now, also Christ in talking to Pilate, who did he give... Uh, as the authority which gave Pilate the ability to judge and to act in capital cases. He said, you would have no authority over me if it were not given to you from above. So who gave Pilate the authority? It wasn't Caesar. Caesar gave him worldly authority, but it was God who gave him the authority to judge his son. And, of course, that judgment resulted in his crucifixion. So, again, I do not believe that God is against capital punishment. Because God said in his word that in each case, certain crimes or certain sins were to be uh, judged on earth, and the judgment would be death for the one that committed those crimes. Now, when we, we look at those things, the punishment for today's uh, judgment, or for today's uh, commandment, you shall not murder, the judgment for that sin was death. Now, when we look at our society today, I'm looking at this study, one of the first things that I kind of got into was we see so many today where we have these uh, mass killings. As I looked at some of the, these, these mass killings, I got to looking at some of the psychological reports uh, from psychiatrists today and they video games that we have coming out today uh, are unbelievably horrible mm -hmm. in the actions that are taken <clears throat> in those video games. So they, over and over again we, we see I remember a number of years ago, our, our grandson was given a, a video game. Uh, it was a Grand Theft Auto. And I, I happened to walk by, and, and he was playing it on a computer. And I looked at it, and I said, wow. And then I read a little bit about it, and I said, Brian, Sorry, but you can't play that in my house. And he said, well, my daddy bought it for me. 
And I said, well, I'm sorry, but I, I do not agree with this game. I, I don't want you playing it here. You can play it at home with your dad. But in here, no. Um, as I got to looking at some of these reports and statements, I, there's an article in Psychology Today. And it says the overhyped data on video aggression. And it quotes a Dartmouth study from 2015. And it's the Dartmouth's conclusion was that when people are playing and consuming violent video games, acts of real world aggression, aggravated assault, homicide, school shootings, etc., have been found to decrease. Hmm. I guess they're not playing Earlier the games. quoting that even violent video games like Grand Theft Auto, whenever they are released, there are observable decreases in homicides and assaults. Hmm. Um, and this article continues with a statement that these findings have been replicated by criminologists, psychologists, and e economists. Uh, various universities have taken into account these studies and as such there is a consistent result. 90% of scientists who study a video grain reach these same conclusions. Now, further, they, they look at nations or countries which did not have these video games, and they found that the incidence of murder, uh, the incidences of violent crimes, assaults, and so on and so forth, were higher in a lot of countries that do not have video games than in the countries which do have video games. Mm. Now, What are the countries, what countries do you think have the highest incidences of young people that play video games? Who do you think number one in the world? Uh, United yes, States. States. Mm -hmm. Okay, other countries that are very high on it are Japan, mm -hmm. China, oh, yeah, Japan. Uh, Europe, mm -hmm. uh, Canada. So, so we see a lot of these. Now, we look at these countries. And they have relatively high uh, criminal justice systems. But you look at murders in China and they're very, very low. You look at murders in Japan and they're very, very low. United States, we, we, we click up there pretty good. And of course, by gun violence, the United States is by far the greatest uh, nation in the, in the world on murder by uh, gun in uh, societal uh, environments. Now, do I believe those studies? Not for a second. Why not? Those statistics because when we <laughs> What kind of countries do you think they were looking at that had extremely high rates with very low technical 
knowledge, skills. I, by that, I mean computer games and this type of thing. Jamaica. Jamaica is five times the murder rate in the United States. Colombia. Venezuela. Uh, highlands that are in the Caribbean that are involved in, in drug. Even Curacao now is, didn't you say one time more? I'm sorry? Curacao, didn't you say even was one time more? Yes. And it wasn't like that when we lived there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, backwards countries that have no technology quite often have very violent cultures. Look at Africa. Look at what's happening over there. Uh, now, strangely enough, you go to a country like Iran, Iran's murder rate is very, very low. Why is it very low? Because they are, the Muslim law is <laughs> not good if, if you commit murder. So we see things like that. Now, uh, let me give you a couple other things. Okay, number one, the countries that are, are I would say, civilized countries, Japan, China, they, they meet the, the norms of society. The United States. But the United States has got a bad, serious problem. Because when we go back in and we look at the, the United States, we, we see things that, and here I'll quote a study that was completed by uh, a group called uh, Charisma News in October of uh, 2015. And they, they looked, their study was from the date of introduction of video games for mass murder. And they, they looked at how many mass murders do you think were consulted or conducted in any public school prior to Sandy Hook. Not very many. Now you look at after Sandy Hook, and we, let's see, let me give you a couple of Aurora, Colorado, the movie theater up there. The representative, United States Congress representative, Gabriel uh, Giffords, six other people. A man named Eric Harris killed seven of us. Roger, Eric, Elliot Rogers killed nine. Uh, Nehemiah Grego killed five. Jeff Wise Mercer nine. Uh, Jacob Roberts killed two. Chris Mercer ten. Nehemiah Grego killed five. Jacob Roberts killed six. Andrus Babbitt killed sixty-eight. Michael Carmichael, Jose Reyes. 141 times since Sandy Hook, guns have been used in the public school system to execute teachers and other students. And remember that these numbers ended in 2015. That was before the, the shootings out in Las Vegas. That was before the, the gay bar thing in Florida. It was before El Paso. You know what, something that was, every single one of these mass murderers were uh, involved in video games 
in extreme extents. And they, they, they spoke to prosecutors about how they fantasized about these killings with the video games prior to. So when you question the individuals that perform these things, they give a different story than some of our universities that are doing research on it in psychology departments. It makes me wonder who's paying for those studies to be conducted. We have some pretty tough questions that we have to look at in our society. We look at today's world and we see the term choice. Got to, you've got to consider abortion. You've got to consider the direction of euthanasia. We've got to consider the mercy killings by uh, nurses, doctors, and people like that. How do we come to this? How do we come to these types of conclusions that these that these are choices? How do we come to these decisions? Sadly enough. There's a conclusion of society that is determined that God is not real. Yeah. That in reality, man is the ultimate vehicle of creation or of the world, and if we were created through evolution, God really doesn't doesn't matter. When we look at the tough questions in the Bible, the Bible talks about death in a lot of different ways. And the, death, the, the Bible specifically 